morning, church. All right, I'm excited to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm going to have to say, this is my first time preaching here. It's not my first time preaching in general, so don't worry. But I did, when I came in the door, I had two people say, remember, 20 minutes. So we're going to see, that would be 9.50, so you can uh, check your watches if, if we meet that. But seriously, we'll have plenty of time to fellowship uh, before class, so um, no worries there. Before we get started, um, I'm going to have a stand one more time here in just a minute. I want to sing uh, one more song. This morning, I want to talk about stories. Um, stories have power, and songs, songs have power. Um, stories and songs, they have power. And the song I want to sing is It Is Well. And if you know the story about when the song It Is Well is written, it has a very powerful story behind it. And I'm not going to get into a whole lot about that, but... Um, I have a personal story that's linked to that song as well. I remember leading that song at my grandmother's funeral just a couple years ago. And that song's always difficult to get through. Um, but I think it, it is powerful, just the lyrics and the way that it's written has power behind it and, and to know that, that it is well with our soul. So let's stand. I want to sing this song as we get into our message this morning and as we talk about stories. When peace like a It is what 
Thank you for singing that with me. Again, I want to talk about stories. Uh, if you watch a movie and read a story, more than likely you're going to say, the story or the book is so much better. I've heard that a couple times this week, and we were talking about a movie and a story. For, oh, the book is just so much. It's so much richer. It has so much more detail, and it gets into so much more of the story than the movie can really um, portray. We've had great authors in our times. We've had authors like Charles Dickens, Jane Austen, Lois Lowry, and yes, Theodore Seuss, Geisel, Dr. Seuss. And I remember growing up, as many of you probably did, uh, with your moms reading Dr. Seuss to you. Uh, my mom would read books like Cat in the Hat or One Fish, Two Fish. And the one that always, the one that always got me was Green Eggs and Ham. It's about the story of, of Sam, Sam I Am. And he does not like Green Eggs and Ham. And that's something I could relate to as a kid because I didn't like eggs at all. So I didn't care if you like green eggs and ham or not, I didn't like eggs, so I said I could relate to that. But the story that, that really resonated with me through Dr. Seuss, and the story that has gone through a couple different film adaptations is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And if you haven't read it or saw the movie, I'm sorry, you've only had about 100 years, so I'm gonna spoil the ending. Um, but the end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas goes like this. It says, and what happened in, well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food and the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. So at the end of the book, the Grinch has this literal change of heart, all because a little girl didn't see him as a mean old ugly Grinch, but a beautiful person in need of love. Stories have power. Stories elicit certain emotions and feelings within us. Some stories make us cry. Some stories make us laugh and bring joy. Um, some are intended to teach a lesson, and some are meant to motivate and spur on action, while others do all the above. Jesus uses stories in his teachings to teach people around him about the kingdom. He uses parables to teach in a way that is understandable and relatable to his audience. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Gus just read this for us, but I want to spend a little bit of time in Luke chapter 15. And in verse chapter 1 it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this story. So at this point, it is well known that Jesus interacts and associates himself with people lower than him. People that are marginalized and those who are looked down upon in society. The tax collectors were hated individuals. And many times these were Jews employed by Rome to collect the taxes, and then anything else they could get was for themselves. So really this was Jews stealing from Jews. Um, I don't know if anybody in here has, has taken time to watch the Chosen series. Um, it is a, a new-ish uh, Bible series that depicts different uh, times throughout Jesus' life. And there's, there's a Chosen app that you can watch it on or Hulu, things like that. But it really hit in one of the episodes. It showed this, this Jewish tax collector, and he was, he was hiding in a cart 
Okay, he didn't want to be seen. He was hiding in a cart to be able to go to his tax collecting station because he didn't want other Jews to know that he was one of the ones stealing from them. They were hated individuals. Now, the way the Pharisees use the word sinners isn't the same way that we identify as sinners. We all identify as sinners in need of redemption. Okay, but the Pharisees saw sinners as those who openly lived a lifestyle that were lower than theirs. They were lower than them on the religious total pole, and they had judgment on them about it. So Jesus hears the religious leaders say, this man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So then he uses this opportunity to tell this story. Verse number four. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus uses the story of the lost sheep to teach the leaders that these are the people you should be ministering to. Don't worry about what other people think and, and trying to stay in your own little clique of religious leaderness. But he says, these are the people that you ought to be ministering to. It's like the song Reckless Love that I know uh, Mason led a couple weeks ago during our teen uh, Devo night that, that he read, that he led, and the lyrics go, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down and fights till I'm found and leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. We have the greatest message of hope. The world needs to hear it. We have something that the world is looking for. We all are sinners and we all have this hole in our heart that we're trying to fill. We all have this hole in our heart that we're trying to fill. We have something that is missing. There's a void in our life. I appreciate what Barry said a couple of weeks ago in his communion thought, that the world does what the world has always done. And the world does what the world knows. And so what the world knows is, is working our fingers to the bone so that we can have that house that we want. The world knows that we treat ourselves better than we treat other people. It only satisfies us so long trying to chase after these things. That car isn't enough. That vacation isn't enough. That house isn't enough. That boat isn't enough. We spin our wheels trying to work, work, work to buy happiness, to fill that void inside of our heart. But when that void is filled with things and people, we're always going to come up empty. Things and people let us down and are fleeting. And this is a big reminder that we're still on earth. But we have a message of hope, a message that says we know the person that can fill the void inside your heart. And you don't have to chase after things for it to be filled. Christ gives us that hope. He gives us the hope that life isn't a meaningless routine of chasing after just things. He gives us a relationship and a peace in our heart with his father. He gives us hope of spending the rest of eternal life with him. And he gives us, he gives me the grace because I am a horrible sinner. And it separates me from God forever that by his grace, I can be in a correct relationship with him. That's the message that the world needs to hear. A house cannot satisfy that need in my heart. A boat cannot satisfy that need in my heart. 
And hear this, a spouse cannot satisfy that need in my heart. Now listen, I, I love my wife wholeheartedly. I love her. <clears throat> but sometimes people find themselves being complete in marriage to fill that void inside their heart. We hear the common saying in rom-coms or maybe in, in sitcoms that you complete me. It's, it's a message that is resounding throughout these, throughout these movies and throughout these shows and throughout culture that, that a person can complete us. But the only thing that can fill us, the only person that can fill us and make us whole is Christ. Amen. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that so no one can boast. See, it's nothing that I did. It's nothing that you did. It's nothing that a person can do. It's only by grace that we've been saved. And I believe that 99 righteous persons know this. The 99 righteous persons know this. So what about the others? Our commission, our command is set in Matthew 28, 19. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So our command is to go. It's not to wait. And he doesn't say, I would like it, please, if you go, whenever it's convenient or you feel like it or if you have the time, please do this thing that I'm asking you to do. No, the command is set. It's an expectation. Go means to move. It means to move from your current spot. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a planner. And in youth ministry, I have to be, we have to be very organized. We have a lot of things going on, a lot of events, a lot of things we have to juggle to, to plan and organize. And that carries over in my everyday life. If, uh, my life uh, right now, if it is not on the Google calendar, it doesn't exist. I know some of you operate the same way. The Google calendar is, is a magic tool. I have got uh, the church calendar. I've got the church building calendar, I've got the youth calendar, Lily's school calendar, my personal calendar, and the family calendar that Megan and I share. All of those things, we have, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. We plan our things out and put them on a calendar to organize our, our weeks and our months. But sometimes we get so busy and caught up in the things we have going on that we can lose focus of our commission, our commission to go. Collectively, it's easy to get bogged down. It's easy to get bogged down with the busyness of life and the plans that we have. And, and we, have to, we have to worry about, oh, well, next week we have to get ready for this party. And Christmas is coming up. And I don't know, about, I did not Black Friday shop, but I, I, maybe online a little bit. But, but we, have to, we have to buy for Christmas. We have to get ready for the parties. We have to get ready for family to come over. And that's just in December. And then we look forward into the spring. We're like, oh, we have spring sports. And, we have spring retreats, and we have all this stuff going on that is so easy to get bogged down in our own plans and our own busyness that we lose sight of the commission. Research shows that it takes about seven times for a message to really sink in with a person. David Grossman, he, he's written books about leadership, says, beyond repetition, you should develop a message based on your audience's need and then communicate it in different ways. Meaning if I say the same thing in the same way every time to the same person, it's not going to sink in. It's not going to work. Now why is that? Well, it's because people are different and their needs are different at different times. 
Now hear me say, the message doesn't change. The message of what I'm saying does not change, but the way I deliver it should. The message of truth, the message of hope, our message transcends time and generations. That's a message that doesn't change. But the way we deliver it should. We can't be doing the same events and the same things and doing the same things we have for years and expect different results. It's, it's like with my wife. I might say, she's over there, oh, keep it coming. It's like with Megan. I might say, here's $10, honey. Uh, I know you have to get up early and it's cold. Go ahead and go to Starbucks, get yourself a drink, and treat yourself. She might be like, oh, that, that's really sweet. Like, that's thoughtful. Like, thank you. Like, she might really like that. But then the next day, say I do the same thing. I, I give her $10, da, 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 da. And she's like, okay, I'll go to Starbucks. But then, then, then say the third day, she comes up to me really sad about something. And I just look around, and I pull out the $10 bill, and I say, Starbucks? Like, that's not going to work, because her need is different. Okay, I can't keep doing the same thing in the same way and expecting different results, okay? Her need is different that time. She needs me to listen. She needs me to help work through whatever she's going on. She doesn't need, well, maybe she does, a secondary Starbucks. But her needs are different at different times. The message doesn't change, but the way I tell her, it should. God puts people in each of our paths every week with different needs. And the world is looking to fill that void in their heart. The message is there, but we have to tell people in different ways based on their needs. As I said before, stories have power. Here in a minute, I'm going to ask Brother Benton Lowe to come up. I think Benton has a, a powerful story to share um, of an interaction that he came across uh, with a young lady a couple weeks ago. He shared this in one of our elders' meetings, and immediately I was, I, I, I was kind of snapped back into reality to say, this is what I need to be about, not the busyness and of life, but, but the story to hear that somebody else went through what I should be doing was encouraging. So, Brother Bitten, will you come up and share just a little bit about your interaction with this young lady, uh, and then we will close up our lesson here in just a minute. I'll just let you know my time is not counting just 20 minutes. <laughs> Good to see everybody. It's, uh, I was looking around a while ago, and I'm kind of partial, but it's this family, but it was good to see the Barry and Becky Young crew from end to end over here. And it's just good to see a lot of people that we haven't seen for a while distant. JP asked me to share an experience of mine, and actually it was born a couple weeks ago. It was last year, but that, that doesn't make any difference. Uh, <clears throat> first, let me give you a little lead in. I grew up in South Nashville in the Prevall area, and I can remember, oh, back in the summer times when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, my best friend and I, we would catch the city bus uh, <clears throat> that came down this street and for a dollar two worth of quarters, we'd go downtown and spend all day in Nashville. Now nowadays you might be a little leery of letting your 12, 13, 14 year old go down, <clears throat> but we'd go down, both of us would go down together, and for about $10 in our pockets, we could go to the arcade area, if y'all know where that's at, where they had a nuts and candy store. <clears throat> we'd buy enough junk to Choke a horse, you know. <laughs> then we'd browse around the department stores like we had money to buy something, but we'd browse around. And then we'd go on to, I don't know if y'all remember, Woolworth's department store. Well, they had a lunch counter. And so we'd fill our bellies there before catching a matinee at uh, one of the theaters downtown. I think it was the Tennessee and maybe the Paramount. Uh, we saw movies, same movies five or six times. You know, we could almost act it. 
Uh, and then we head on back to, to Free Hall, catch the bus. But I can always remember, I can always remember my dad saying, son, you and Phil, be aware of your surroundings. Keep your eyes on what's going around you. Keep an eye on each other. And I guess that was a message that was passed down to me because Tanya and my boys, they still hear it. When they go out, even Daniel and Will being their age, I still say, hey, be aware of your surroundings. <clears throat> I think God expects us to be aware of our surroundings every day. You never know where he's going to put you. You never know that certain place or time where opportunities are present right in front of us. And most importantly, are we going to react in a way that God expects us to? Are you going to put up blinders so that you only see what's directly in front of you? Or are you going to make yourself available to interact with those who come into your, your space? We had a, like JP was saying, we had an elder meeting, minister's meeting a few weeks ago, and we were talking about sharing God with others, among other topics. And I brought up a situation that presented itself to me last year. Uh, one day I went to Kroger's to get some gas for my forerunner, and I pulled into the pump area, and there's only one lane open. So I pulled up to that pump, got out, put the nozzle in, put it on automatic, just killed time. I'm not going to sit still. Most of you know that. I, walk, I was walking around my car and just looking around, and um, I could literally see the car beside me uh, shaking as if somebody was grooving to the music or they were... Uh, or, or they were uh, laughing uncontrollably. Well, with a little more attention, but not to be obvious, I noticed a young woman looked to be in her late 20s, crying like I've never seen. She was actually shaking the whole car. She was crying so hard. So I had a minute to think about the situation. Do I mind my own business, get my gas and go home? Or do I step outside my box, my comfort zone? I slowly approached the car of the driver's side and hesitantly and carefully tapped on the window. The tears were rolling down her face as she lowered down the window. I asked the obvious question, are you okay? She looked at me and she said, no, I'm not. So I noticed she'd had some precious cargo in the car seat in the back. So to kind of break the ice a little bit, I commented on, on how cute the baby was. I'm not sure if I even saw the baby, except I knew there was a baby back there. <laughs> but my point was, I was trying to, you know, to, to make a, an easy uh, entrance there, I guess. I introduced myself, and she told me her name, and, and maybe the baby's name, I, I really don't remember. Um, I, asked, I didn't ask her about her situation specifically, and I figured if she wanted to open up to me, that she would, but remember we had just met. I don't know if it was a domestic situation, a sickness she was having, or a family member. Uh, was going, you know, was dealing with. I didn't know. I didn't know one thing God knew. I came to find out on that day, that certain time, that one lane at the pumps was open, and this particular car was parked right beside me. I think that open lane was reserved for me. I asked her if I could pray with her, and she said yes. I finished my prayer. I asked her if she lived close by, and she said she did. And I invited her to Antioch and said, we'd love to have you there. And for the next few weeks, I kept my eyes open, but I didn't see her. My point is, years ago, I might have kept my blinders on. And it would be because I didn't care of somebody's situation, but more of not feeling comfortable about interacting with that person. 
One part of my morning prayer every day is to ask God to use me in his service for that day. I think he has honored my request, expects me to be ready, and to always be aware of my surroundings. I hope you're aware of your surroundings as well. Thank you, Bill. I hear this story, and it's so convicting. It, it literally snapped me back into a place of, of reminding me, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And then I thought, we have an elder that has had this interaction. How encouraging is that? Don't, don't be afraid to share your stories, to encourage one another. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm not going to share what I do. Because sometimes it, it might seem like I'm patting myself on the back. But when really it's not, but that, that story is so encouraging, convicting, to maybe encourage someone else to say, I, I need to be more intentional in life. I need to be more intentional with my surroundings. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Now, is that lady a Christian? We don't know. Will she become a Christian because of her interactions with it? We don't know. But if you remember, I said it takes about seven times for a message to sink in. We don't know if it was the tipping point that could have led her to another question or decision to follow Christ. He could have been one of the, one of the first few to have shared the love of Christ. But if it takes a message about seven times, do not downplay your role in the, in, in the importance of sharing the love of Christ. A little over a month ago, this church went out into the community, the community, and specifically the neighborhood behind us, and went door knocking for our fall festival event. During that time, many families here teamed up together and introduced themselves as members of this church, um, and that they were here if they if if they needed anything. And then they gave them a flyer about the fall festival event, um, or if they saw they had kids in the house, they would give them a flyer about our kids or youth ministry programs. Well, about two weeks ago, I got an email from a lady asking about our church league basketball that, that our teams are a part of. So I emailed her back and I said, do, do you have any connections with Antioch? Like, like how, how did you hear about this? How do you know about this? Um, because we have some players on our teams that have connections with Antioch that don't go here, but they have friends or maybe they used to go here, things like that. And she replied, no, um, we don't know anybody. But a couple weeks ago, there was a family that stopped by our door and said they're with your church handed us a flyer. We've been looking for something for our son to be a part of, and, and I want to know more about the basketball team. So I was like, that's great. Like, that's amazing. Um, so I sent her the info. Um, the, the teenager signed up and played basketball with our team uh, a couple Saturdays ago, along with the mom, the dad, and the sibling in attendance. Okay, God, God is already working on that family. God is working on that family because of an opportunity that some families took here to just go door knocking. These everyday moments make a difference. We never know when something we say or do is gonna make an impact on someone, positive or negatively. Sometimes I think we forget that we can smile. Everyone, just smile. Everyone, okay, here's some of your smiles. That, that was my grandpa. My grandpa smiled like that in pictures. They said, smile, he said. That, that's okay. But sometimes I think that we forget we can smile. We, we had over a year of masks, and, and sometimes we just gave people the nod, like, I'm acknowledging that you're here, but I can't smile because I'm wearing a mask. Um, but now we can do that. Now we can smile. Just a little exchange. The other day, I was with uh, Brother Goyo. We went to lunch, and immediately we walked in the door. We were at Zaxby's down on Bell Road. Um, 
he walks, we walk in the door and there's this, this little kid coming out and he has this little exchange with the kid. I mean, he was intentional with that moment with that kid at that time. Just saying, hey, how's it going? And the kid was like, oh, hey. Like, he wasn't expecting for a strange man to talk to him, but, but he took that moment to have this, this playful interaction with the kid. I mean, just using the moments that you have. Uh, I, I think of, I think of, I do, I think of little children, uh, like my daughter, kids don't care who they play with, they just want someone to play with them, okay? They can go to a playground and it might be a strange kid they've never seen before and it might take about five seconds for them to warm up to that kid, but they want to be there to play. And that is the spirit of a child. What if we had more of a spirit and heart of a child and didn't overcomplicate and analyze what people might think if we stopped and talked to them or smiled at them? Or said, I hope you have a good day. Or what can I pray for you about? I've heard, I've heard stories of families that, that a waiter might come up to their table and, and they say, hey, we're going to pray as a family over this meal. Is there something that we can pray for you for? Little moments like that. So my challenge to you this morning is, is a call to action. It's a snap back to reality about what we're supposed to be about. An encouragement that the people that you're going to come in contact with this week have needs. They might need a kind word. They might need a friend. They might need someone to pray with them. They might need someone to talk to them. My one and only point this morning is don't let the moments pass by you this week where God has put people in your path for a reason. Have open eyes to see the hurt. Have open eyes to see the need. It's just like in The Grinch, where Cindy Lou who saw The Grinch is in need of love. People want to be cared about, and people want to be given hope. If you have a need this morning, our elders would love to pray with you. This is a place where we can come and worship and be recharged and encouraged so that we can go out and pour into people. So if you have a need, if you have heard or something that you need prayer about, come forward and receive that prayer from our elders. I'm going to ask them to come forward, um, and if you will, let's stand all together uh, and come forward and be encouraged as we seek to pray.